bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7, 365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Well, I promised when I found great music, I would bring it to you, and today is no exception to that. There is a fantastic CD that's going to drop and be available August 13th by Paul Spear. It is called Axe Inferno, A-X Inferno, like X for the guitar, and it is a guitar instrumental album that will blow your mind. And Paul is very successful. He has two, not one Emmy, two Emmys. He's a Grammy-nominated musician and producer, and he's going to talk us through that album today, and I want to introduce you guys to it and introduce you to Paul. He's from this area, the Pacific Northwest. He's living in Memphis now, home of the blues, and thanks, Paul, for coming on. Hey, it's great to be here, Lori. Oh, we're thrilled to have you. How long have you been working on this album? Well, I think the first uh, ideas came about maybe three years ago, and uh, just slow, kind of slowly worked on on that. Uh, the first track I did was Accelerator, and I, I wanted to do kind of an experiment using um, you know uh, influences from like trance and and uh, electronic dance music, that kind of thing. So I did Accelerator, put it up on my YouTube channel, and asked the uh, the, the folks there for feedback because it was a little bit different than what uh, uh, they're used to hearing, and the, the response was just overwhelmingly positive. So that kind of gave me the confidence to uh, move on and, and uh, create the rest of the album. So it, it started with Accelerator, oddly enough, and then it accelerated from there. <laughs> I guess you could say that, yeah. <laughs> And now I want to tell everyone that they can go to paulsphere.com, and there's all the information is on there, and I think they can even preview some of the uh, or, or most of the music from that point, and then you're, it, it's on YouTube as well. So, so um, some of this was fan-driven. You've uh, you were able to communicate back and forth with the fans and kind of tweak tweak it as you went along. Well. Um not not really um once once the i got that positive response on accelerator then i just kind of went back into my cave and <laughs> and did did the rest of the album and i didn't uh, really expose any of the tracks as i was working on them uh mm-hmm. you know this is actually my 14th album so uh i i know my way around the studio and and uh, uh i just you know kept letting the ideas flow and and uh you know i have to please myself number 1 and uh that's why if you feel like you know the tracks on this album took me 3 years to create but i wanted each one to be one that that i really loved and so i'm real real proud of this record in that respect and that and that you know i'll play any track on there for anyone and go yeah i'll like this one you know people of course mm-hmm. people are asking me what's your favorite what's your favorite track and you know, I, I really can't pick one out. Right, I, I would imagine that it would be the same like saying, you know, which child is your favorite? Because they're all kind of special in their own way. They each have their own little personality and their own nuances. 
you know, which makes them unique and individual in their own way. Exactly. Well, well, let's talk about your experience because you are no stranger. This isn't your first rodeo, so to speak. You have worked with some of the most brilliant minds in music. You started out here in the Northwest. Um, you went to the University of Idaho, and you then you ended up in L.A., I think, and then over to Seattle and worked with, you know, all of the greats in Seattle, and now you're in Memphis. So let's kind of work our way through your your journey that's led you to, to where you are right now. You you started playing the trumpet when you were 12, right? And, but then you put uh, it down actually, with actually, the guitar. No, actually, I was, I was nine. Nine, Nine years old. okay. Yeah. Did you come from a musical family? Uh, yeah, my both my parents uh, play keyboards, uh, organ and piano, and uh, my dad uh, uh, has always been a kind of a hi-fi buff, and uh, he, you know, so there was always good quality sound in our house, and uh, in our living room we had both a baby grand piano and an organ, um, and uh, my dad, in fact, he. Uh, he's a pretty handy guy, and he built our f- first guitar amplifiers out of old stereo equipment. <laughs> wow! <clears throat> and they didn't really sound very good, but but they were kind of big and they looked cool. So, uh, you know, that was that was fun. And so, did they encourage you to take up the trumpet at first, or was that your idea? Well, it was kind of my idea. It was uh, fourth grade, and that's when they came around uh, and said, uh, who wants to be in the school band? And uh, one of my friends who was already playing trumpet was in the in the school band. He said, yeah, come on, you know, why don't you go rent a trumpet at the local music store and uh, come and, and be in the school band? Well, the school band was like five trumpet players, uh, a girl that played flute, and I think a guy that played clarinet. That was the band, <laughs> so uh, it really wasn't wasn't a band. And what what it turned into more was like you'd have a few minutes with the with the teacher to learn a little bit about the, your instrument. Uh, but after the three month rental was up, um, I, I didn't really like the trumpet so much, and uh, somehow guitar flashed in my mind. And uh, my mom took me to the uh, local music store. And bought a uh, uh, brand called Estella, which is a three-quarter size guitar that uh, cost nineteen dollars. And I still have it. And uh, uh-huh. and then I took private lessons on uh, on that. And both my brothers uh, were learning to play as well. My younger brother on drums and piano, and my older brother on guitar as well. And so by the time I was eleven, we had a band. And then uh, uh, when I was 12, we actually played our first paid gig, um, and uh, that pretty well hooked me from from there. I would imagine because I mean, 12 years old and you have a band and you had a first paid gig, I, I would think that you would get the fever or, or the bug at, at that point then, because I mean, you had you know people were paying, you must have had you know some type of audience there. Uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. Probably the, one of the most unusual gigs that I've ever played in my life, uh, and being the first first one where we actually made money, it was a swim and dance party uh, that a uh, neighbor kid convinced the local radio station to throw at the public pool on a like a Saturday night, 
And, uh, you know, he said, oh, I got these guys in my neighborhood. They've got this band, and they're killer, and, and they should play at the swim and dance party, and you can spin records, and uh, we'll all make some money. And uh, <laughs> they went for it. And, uh, you know, our band made $65, and this was back, what, 1964, 65 uh, and, uh, you know, I came away with that with, you know, this pile of $1 bills and, uh, my friends, uh, thought I was cool and, and, uh, girls thought I was cool. <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> it, you know, I was, I was hooked and there was, there was never that, turning back. That would do it. Well, as any of us know, who are 12 years old, I mean, that is a, a big gig when you're 12 years old. I mean, there is no hipper hotter place than the than the uh uh pool during summer so i'm going to play accelerator i want people to have that in in their mind they think about this 12 year old kid he started with the trumpet for a couple months that didn't work he decides to pick up the guitar his first gigs at the pool during the summer and this is what that kid has done today so i'm going to play accelerator and we will be right back with paul spear
the genius work of our guest today, Paul Spear, and he has a new album out, a guitar instrumental that was Accelerator off of his Axe Inferno album that's going to be out on August 13th. You can find out more at paulspear.com. And so Paul's joining us today, and we're taking a musical journey through with him through this album that is just fantastic. It's just a feast for the ears. Anybody who enjoys music, especially guitar music, uh, can super appreciate this album. So but we're back with Paul, and um, and that, like I said, was Accelerator. And the next song we're going to play um, when we go to our next break, I think. Did, did we decide on Megatron? Yes, Megatron. Great, okay. So um, we're going to play Megatron when we go to our next break, but we're going to catch up with Paul. So Paul then, so we, we kind of told you about him, who is 12 years old, living in Lewiston, Idaho. And he starts with his trumpet and goes to the guitar, and you see where that led. And he goes to the University of Idaho, and then he gets over into the music on the west on the west coast. He gets into really the hotbed of the music scene at that time. He starts working with the great, and now he's one of the greats. Two Emmys, Grammy nod. This album is certainly um, Grammy caliber work. I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if if we see it come up for Grammy nomination as well. So um, tell us, Paul, about kind of getting over to the West Side and then working with some of the people that you worked with, and, and what was that like for for somebody from Lewiston, Idaho? Um, well, of course, it's it's great. Um, uh, it's, it, I've been fortunate that in addition to being a successful recording artist, uh, I've been a successful record producer uh, as well. And uh, yeah, I had a studio in uh, Seattle for 25 years and did uh, you know well over 200 albums uh, while I was there. In fact, I, I've lost count. It's probably closer to 300 these days, but. Uh, uh, you know, worked with a lot of very talented people, a lot of people you've never heard of, uh, but made some excellent albums. Uh, but along the way, uh, you know, like David Lons and I met uh, in 1981 uh, originally to uh, do corporate soundtrack work and commercials and stuff. Um, and we... Uh, on, on, we'd make some money doing that, and then on the side, we started working on our own uh, solo projects as recording artists. And uh, he released uh, his very first uh, solo piano album called Heart Sounds, which I produced. And uh, shortly after that, I released uh, a collection 983 Spectral Voyages, uh, and that was my first solo project. And uh, that was on the Katero Records from San Francisco, who unfortunately no longer exists, but it was great to uh, get signed uh, to be able to put out my first album. And uh, then, of course, David and I worked together for, boy, like the next 18, 19 years, I think. Did three uh, very successful albums for the Narada label in the 80s and 90s, and uh, two of them were tied to uh, nature videos that uh, we created with our production company in in Seattle, and those sold like like hotcakes uh, at the time. And uh, so, you know, very proud of that work. And still, uh, I have a bunch of them up on my YouTube channel, and people are still commenting, going, "Oh yeah, I, I remember this, and uh, I, I I I need I need it I need it on DVD." And 
my VHS tape won't work anymore, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And so, you know, very happy that uh, uh, the work back in those days still still has legs and still has fans. Definitely. Well, a lot of this music is just absolutely timeless, and good music is good music. It'll be good music 50 years from now, 100 years from now. People will, will keep coming back to it over and over and over again, and that's what they're going to find with this Axe Inferno album and, and much of your work up, up to this point. And you also worked with Scott Rockenfeld, from, uh, the drummer from Queensryche, which everybody around here knows Queensryche, and they're still performing today. Uh, yeah, in fact, they uh, you know they kind of have a, had a regrouping there, and uh, uh, the new band uh, just recently released uh, an album that is just getting fantastic reviews. And uh, I actually did have Queensrÿche in my studio uh, for a project uh, several years ago, so I have worked with them. But Scott and I met through a mutual friend, an engineer uh, at one of the Seattle studios, and we started talking. It turns out that uh he was a fan of of the work that I was doing with david Lons and of course i was I was a fan of Queensryche. you know I thought they were a ter- terrific band and so we started hanging out and of course, the inevitable happens say, well, what about working together? Maybe we can do something <laughs> and uh uh we still had uh, Miramar Productions going in Seattle at the time, which was a partnership with david Lons uh Jan Nickman, the director. And uh, we talked to uh, the folks at Miramar that were running the company and said, hey, Scott and I would like to do a project. And they said, okay, let's do a video album. And that project turned out to be Televoid, which was a computer animation. And then we scored all the music for that. And that's the, the project that got nominated for a Grammy. Well, and... Um that techno music is so popular right now, and it's just being infused into everything. And you were really on the on the front end of that. Um, what was making you at that time think in in, in those in, in those terms? Oh, you mean like the the music from Televoid? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, that 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 project wasn't really influenced so much by the techno stuff. In fact, uh, just about everything on there is, is live playing, which is uh, different from techno music where it's, uh, you know, very computer-based. You know, Scott, of course, is, is a is a you know, one of the best rock drummers in the world, and mm-hmm. all the drums are live. Uh, and we just kind of wanted to do a, a futuristic sort of sound uh, with that. And... Uh, you know, it, it, uh, we were very proud of the way that turned out. And then a couple of years later, we decided we wanted to do just a, a music album. And so we got together and, and uh, recorded Hell's Canyon. And uh, that, uh, you know, Hell's Canyon is, is uh, just um, upriver from Lewiston. So it was kind of like I'd been there so many times growing up. And uh, it's got this rich history. And I thought, well, this would be kind of a neat concept for an album. And Scott and I uh, had written maybe three or four pieces, but didn't really have a, a concept to glue everything together. And uh, I, uh, that idea of Hell's Canyon came up, and I, I presented it to Scott, and he really liked it. And I said, okay, here's the thing. We can look at 
places in the canyon and historical events and sort of create a soundtrack for a movie that doesn't exist. And uh, so it uh, came together like that, and, uh, you know, that's a record that still still sells and um, getting uh, airplay and that kind of thing, so... Mm-hmm. Um, well, and and people will probably remember that Evil Knievel tried to jump over Hell's Canyon back in the day, unsuccessfully. Uh, no, that wasn't Hell's Canyon. That was the Snake River Canyon. Oh, it was down Snake by River Twin Falls. Yeah, Hell's Canyon. Oh. There'd be no way. You know, Hell's Canyon is so big. It's the deepest gorge in North America. It's it's deeper than the Grand Canyon. But the the Snake River Canyon is down by Twin Falls, and that's the same river, of course. It's the Snake River. Uh, but it's several hundred miles uh, away from Hell's Canyon. So it starts up in the Hell's Canyon and runs down through Idaho? Well, the, I believe the source of the Snake River is in Wyoming, and then it runs through southern Idaho and uh, and then to uh, Hell's Canyon down to Lewiston and then, and then heads west and uh, empties into the Columbia River in the Tri-Cities. Oh, okay. Beautiful country. A little, little geography lesson there. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially from someone now who's living all the way in Memphis. Do, do you miss Memphis, Seattle? Tennessee. What's that? Memphis, Tennessee, home of the blues. Uh, yeah, and, and birthplace of rock and roll. That's the that's, that's the right. monikers that they. Uh, that's right. That they have. So what's the music scene like in Memphis versus? versus Seattle is what's the difference in the vibe or or is there one well it uh yeah it's a it's a good music scene here uh it's very much like it always has been in that uh R&B and soul and of course these days hip hop are are really big as is uh uh blues um and that kind of thing, you know, the, they have the International Blues Challenge here every January where, where blues bands from all over the world come to compete. And it's a week-long uh, event that, uh, you know, gets, uh, you know, a lot of attention, and it's a, it's a really big deal. There, You know, there's blues bands from Sweden and Italy, <laughs> places where you wouldn't think there would be blues bands, but they come, and, and I haven't heard all of them, but, but I understand some of them are just awesome. Mm-hmm. Did, did you find it easy to transition into that music scene coming from from Seattle? Well, yeah, pretty much because um you know, I've been involved with the Grammy Awards for for a really long time. In fact, I was one of the founders of the Pacific Northwest chapter and I served as the first president. And so, uh there's a Grammy chapter here in Memphis, and soon after we moved here, I was elected to the Board of Governors. And, uh, you know, those uh, meetings and then the events that the chapter puts on, uh, you, get, you get to meet everybody in, in the, the area that's, that's doing, doing, you know, major work in, in music. And so I've, I got connected to uh, the scene here quite, quite fast through the, through the Grammy chapter. I'm sure they were glad to have you. Well, it's yeah, you know, because of the experience, you know, I since I've been uh a member a long time. In fact, I I my first joined in 1982, uh there was no chapter in uh Seattle 
and so I was a member of the San Francisco chapter. And then uh, it was like late 90s, we were able to found our own chapter for the Pacific Northwest, and there's a we have a full-time office in Seattle, and that was great um, to get that going. And now they're you know they're they're putting on a lot of terrific uh, events there that uh, it just helps it helps the community helps the music community come together and grow. And uh, uh, I know that you know any of the cities that have Grammy chapters, it it really makes a huge difference in in the, the music scene there. Definitely, and they're also really into giving back as well. And I, I, I've seen the Grammy chapters be very active in the schools and to musicians' aid and um, uh, helping out um, music programs just in general since a lot of it's been cut out of the school system. It's probably not as prevalent as when you were back in in elementary school. A lot of schools don't even have music programs anymore. Right, and that's a real shame uh, uh, because it's a you know it's it's a scientific fact that music really helps a person learn and understand other things, uh, and so it's it's really is is a shame. And but but that you know people like the the Grammys and uh, uh, VH1 has had some great efforts uh, there to keep uh, the music alive in the in the schools. Um, but the thing about the Grammys is, is you know, I, I'm glad you mentioned some of these things that the, the organization does uh, outside of the awards because most people, that's all they know is the Grammy Awards. And, of course, any award show, people are going to have a problem <laughs> with it. And and so I don't even try to defend the the, the show and the awards process. Uh, we do it as, as good as we possibly can. Uh, and not everybody sees their favorite artists get a Grammy. Uh, but the, what's nice is, is the money that's made from the, the broadcast. It goes back into these music programs in schools and, and music cares, which is the, the one that, that helps, uh, people in the music business that have uh, had rough times, you know, medical problems that they can't pay for things like that. They come in and they, uh, you know, are do, doing some great work with with the money that's made uh, from the broadcast. Yeah, because not every musician is making millions and millions of dollars. Most of them are just hardworking and you know, just just like the the rest of us. But you only see the ones that are making you know the the few that are making the millions and millions of dollars. But it's not like that for everybody. Right. Right. All right, we're going to play Megatron, and then we're going to come right back with Paul Spear, and this is off his Axe Inferno album that will be out on August 13th. You can find more at paulspear.com. This is Megatron. We'll be back in just a moment.
Journal album by Paul Spear. We're talking to Paul today, and that is going to be available on the 13th of August, and you can find more at paulspear.com. We were just talking when we were off air while you guys were listening to Megatron about how Paul has been collaborating with people all over the world through the Internet and Skype, and music has just really changed, and now these great minds don't have to meet in a single place anymore. They can collaborate right over the Internet and turn out the most amazing work. And Paul's been working with people all over the world, from Manchester, U.K., to France, to uh, all over the United States. And you met some people on MySpace, didn't you, Paul? And you guys collaborated and made an album. Uh, that's true. Um, this would have been, I think, about 2008, uh, when MySpace was still a, a going concern. And uh, uh, Paul Lawler from uh, England uh, friended me. And uh, I really liked his music and complimented him on it. He does, you know, kind of uh, progressive new age, you might call it, uh, kind of fusion-y stuff. But it was really, really well-written, well-performed. And uh, he suggested that we collaborate on a on an album. And by that time, you know, moving uh, large files around the Internet was starting to become commonplace. And so uh, that's how we created it. And um, towards the end of the project, uh, I had uh, become friends with uh, this woman in uh, France, Satine Orient, uh, who was a singer and keyboard player, and she had an album out, this sort of French dance pop material that was kind of cool. And uh, I sent her uh, a couple of mixes and said, hey, uh, if you're inspired to do some vocals on on these tunes. Let me know. And she came back with uh, this really, really neat vocal parts, sung in French. And so uh, we decided to put, uh, you know, two versions of two of those songs uh, on the album. You know, one's the vocal version, one's the instrumental version. And um, uh, that's a, that record was called Wonders, which is like Wonders of the World. It was kind of a very kind of world fusion, you might say, uh, in style. And so it, it's got titles like Ganges, Gobi, Petra, Tahoma, uh, you know, these are, you know, places around the world that are, that mm-hmm. are really cool. And I've always so wanted that, to go to Petra. Yeah, that looks like an amazing place for sure. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but this was kind of following the same concept like Hell's Canyon, you know, where we we wrote a soundtrack for a movie that doesn't exist. Right, that's that, that's just amazing. Now, now since then you haven't met Paul, but you have met Satine. Right, uh, my wife and I were on a uh, Mediterranean cruise last fall, uh, which is fun. It's our second one we've done, and and it's we love it. <laughs> And one of the stops was in uh, Monte Carlo, and Satine lives uh, outside of Nice, which is uh, just to the west of Monte Carlo. So she hopped on the train and came over for the afternoon, and we got to hang out and have lunch. And uh, she's just a peach, and uh, it was just just so great to finally meet her four years later after uh, making this record. 
Yeah, I, I would imagine because here you guys were in this virtual world, so to speak, but yet creating this fantastic music and then not even being in the same room to collaborate or to balance or get the energy off of each other, but, but you were able to, to work through the Internet and through Skype and through this file sharing and come up with basically the, 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 the same effect that people used 20 years ago collaborating together in rooms, you were able to do that around the world and bring that same energy to the U.K., to France, and, and to Tennessee. Right, right. Well, this is kind of – this is how I've pretty much made records all my life for me. You know, I mean, it's different if you're working with a band. Then, of course, you're you're talking about – the uh, energy between the, the people in the band and getting a performance where uh, the the way I make records, it's more like abstract painting. You start with a an idea and then start adding to it. And, and so with multi-track recording, what you do is you, you know, lay down, let's say a, a drum groove and then I put my, put the guitar on another track and I start jamming uh seeing what what kind of ideas I can come up with and so it's just it's one little thing at a time and it gets layered and layered and layered and uh you know Paul Lawler had been doing that for years he he's got more albums out than I do so uh and he works alone uh in the same way uh so it was a really good fit um mm-hmm. uh, you know do, doing it that lonely with working like that No not really um you know, it's nice to, as a producer, uh, if I'm producing an album, it's good to have that that interaction. Um, but I these these days I don't produce much by choice. Uh, I'm just uh, just too tired of being in the trenches for every note that's recorded. And this was a conscious decision that I made upon the move to Memphis, is that I didn't want to start another commercial studio in a in a new city from scratch uh, and produce as much. So I focused the outside work on, on just mixing and mastering. And, uh, you know, with the Internet uh, and, and a, you know, a fast connection, you can move these large files, you know, one or two gigs of audio files back and forth uh, pretty easily. And um, the kind of system that I use, I can, if someone, you know, they want to change in the mix that I'm doing for them long distance, uh, it's very easy because the computer remembers everything that you've done. And then you can go in, call up the session. Everything is exactly the way it was when you, when you left it, make the the change, uh, print a new mix, email it to the client and, you know, they would go go from there. So I really like working that way. I I always prefer to mix by myself anyway, uh, any for any of the records, because uh, it can it can be time consuming and distracting uh, if you have people sitting there in, in the in the sofa in the back of the room, uh, talking and <laughs> carrying on and you know asking for things that that are impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this album is absolutely amazing, and 
every single track on it is just as good as the track before. You know, a lot of times in, in music, the, the front album will, you know, will be better than the back end of the album. Um, but not in this case. On this, in, in this case, the back end of the album is just as fantastic as the front end of the album. So I, I want to tell people, you really need to get the whole album so you can get all these nuances that Paul's been talking about and all this, this mastering of music that he's done. Each one is just individually great. And if you pick and choose off of iTunes, just going and, and uh, just getting one song or two songs, you're really missing a fantastic musical experience that this whole album has laid out from beginning to end. And so I really encourage everyone to not kind of cherry pick the songs, but get the entire album and just really enjoy the entire thing because it, it is from front to back. It, it, there's a lot of depth in this album. Mm, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate the feedback. I, I've been from from the the people who received early copies. Uh, gosh, I'm I'm just so pleased. Uh, I'm getting feedback like that where they're they're saying you know there's there's not a a dog on on this on this album. I I'm, I like every track and and uh, uh, of course as an artist that's what I set out to do. I think that's probably why it took me three years to make this record. Is that is it. Uh, well, I make I make music for me number one. I want to make something that I I like, and uh, so each each track I have to like be in love with, and uh, mm-hmm. you know there were there there are several that that didn't didn't make it on the album, uh, you know stuff that's still sitting on the computer that uh, d- just didn't blow my skirt up after a, a week. You know, so I said, okay, well, I spent a bunch of time on this, but it's just not, it's just not happening. So moving on. Um, <laughs> but later on in the process, later on in the process, I, I reconnected with uh, the guy that played drums on on the album, Ron Krasinski. Uh, we used to play clubs together in L.A. in the '70s, and and he was a, an amazing drummer back then, and he's even better now. Uh, and it turns out he moved to Nashville about 20 years ago, and he works out in Nashville now. And he's <clears throat> he's what you call a hired gun. You know, he he's never been in a band, so to speak. He goes out with with uh, uh, as a as a sideman musician, um, and um, but he is he is one of the best drummers I've ever worked with. I, I've been really lucky to work with you know people like Scott Rock. Uh, and uh, Mike DeRozier, who was Hart's original drummer, I've, did, I've done mm-hmm. some some, uh, some work with him back in Seattle, uh, and then of course Ron Krasinski. Uh, but we reconnected, and um, uh, I I thought, well, hey, you know, I can do like I did on Wonders. I can do a couple different versions of these tunes. I can do a techno mix, and and I can do a, a rock version, and have Ron play. Uh, and plus, there were two other tracks that he played on. Um, that really were asking for for live drums, and uh, I brought him over from from Nashville, and we went into uh, Ardent, Ardent Studios here in, in Memphis, which is a very very famous recording studio. We, we recorded his drums in the same room that ZZ Top did most of their albums in, and Stevie Ray Vaughan recorded in there, Joe Cocker, uh, you know, got <laughs> gold and platinum records all over the walls. So it's kind of an inspiring. Studio uh, to work Definitely. in. Definitely. Yeah, but Ron, uh, you know, Ron was the last thing to go on those those tracks. I had, you know, uh, played all the parts 
previously, and so uh, he was the last thing to go on, which which you know kind of kind of backwards uh, in the way most people think think records are made. You know where, but like I said earlier, my work is like abstract painting, where I'm doing one little thing at a time, start with an idea, layer layer layer, and uh, I prefer to put the drums on much later on in the process because by that time then you know what you want and it's more obvious to the drummer uh what what's going to work as opposed to being say one of the first things to go on right right that's it, it it's amazing that, that that music is 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 a small community as well too and that you know you guys will keep running across each other and you, you go down to Memphis and someone goes over to Nashville that you used to know in Seattle and that that community is still working together um, even though it's it's fluid, you know, and people are, are constantly moving from, you know, Seattle, L.A., and then even you know, all, all over the world, really, and that you guys can still work together and run into each other and collaborate. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I thank Facebook for uh, reconnecting with Ron because <laughs> I would I would Google him every once in a while because I, I wanted to know uh, you know what he was doing and and uh, nothing really came up and then uh, once I uh, hooked up on Facebook I plugged his name in there and well I got a hit and wow. uh, sent a message and said are you the same Ron Krasinski that's a drummer from L A and you know he wrote back and the rest is history. Wow, that's amazing! It's you know the the, the power of the internet. Well, Paul, I really appreciate that you were coming on today, and I'm going to let you pick what song we're going to go out to, so we can play Power Glide, Tornado Warning, or Vortex, and I'll let you pick. Uh, I would like to hear Tornado Warning. Okay. And give you a little little introduction to. on that. Uh, there are tornado sirens at the beginning and the end that I recorded in my backyard here in Memphis as tornadoes were heading our way. <laughs> and uh, wow. as a person as a person that, you know, lived most of my life in the Pacific Northwest, we don't have tornadoes around there. But uh they get them here and it's it is scary. It is really scary. And uh I thought, okay, I'm I gotta I gotta channel this into some music, some of this anxiety about uh tornadoes channel it into the music. Wow, yeah, you know, I, if if you don't live in, in that part of the country where you get tornadoes, it, it looks scary on TV. I could imagine that it must be even worse when you are actually right there in it. Yeah, it it really is. I haven't seen any face-to-face, uh, -face, but uh, twice now uh, they've touched down within a couple of miles of our house, and uh, it's nerve-wracking. Um and and then you got the TV imagine. on, and the and the, the local stations. It's all it's just weather weather people screaming <laughs> for you to take, <laughs> take cover. Uh, you know, it's it it drives you nuts. I would, I would imagine. I would, it would look scary on TV. So that's the introduction for tornado warning. And you just heard how Paul came up with this. And we're going to play out on tornado warning. Axe Inferno is the name of the album. It will be out on August 13th. You can find more. Paul has a great website, paulspear.com, S-P-E-E-R.com. And he's also on Facebook. So look him up, support great music. And, Paul, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it. 
Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, thank you, Lori. Uh, it's been a great time. All right, this is Tornado Warning. We'll be back in just a moment.
right. That was the amazing Paul Spear and Tornado Warning. And just to recap on that, Paul has just had a amazing musical career. Two Emmys. He's Grammy-nominated. Uh, Grammy he's worked on over 300 albums as a producer. His album, Axe Inferno, will be available um, the 13th of August, and I just encourage you to go to paulspear.com and support great music. Again, there was a lot of depth to that album from front to back. It was absolutely just amazing. But now we're going to check in with two of my favorite guys. I play their music all the time. Science, Jim and Justin, they've been on the road. They have a, uh, a tour that started this summer, and we're catching up with them on the road, and they told me they're in Montana. Are you guys there? Yeah, yeah, this is Justin. Uh Jim's driving right now, so I'm going to do a little bit of chatting cuz we're we're actually okay. we're 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 literally on the road. You're literally on the road. Well, so how's the tour going? It's actually it's going really really well. Um so now we're in like the second phase of it. We've crisscrossed the United States. Uh we started in Seattle in the late June and made it all the way across to New York and and back and now we're uh, we're sort of on a mountain west um Idaho, Montana, Eastern Washington next week, of course. Wow. Well, what's it been like? Um, you know, it's a, so this this stage of the tour, we've got it's the two of us, and we've got Jim's dog Mortimer. He's our mascot, and uh, it's been pretty hot. But but we joked around when we originally left Seattle that it was the last rain we were going to see for a while. But uh, but it's rained. Uh, it rained the, the first part. It rained almost every single day. Thunderstorms in Nebraska and. Uh, we got to the East Coast. It rained pretty hard, and now now it's like crisp and dry and uh, and and beautiful in Montana. Great. Well, I've heard there's a, a heat wave going on back east, so I'm you're, you're lucky you didn't run into with those thunderstorms in Nebraska, like tornadoes or something. We were just talking to Paul Spear about that um, tornadoes in in the South. But uh, if when you're in Nebraska and you're going across the plains, who knows what kind of weather you guys could hit. Yeah, exactly. And we've been we've been really really lucky. Um uh, it's been a great trip weather-wise. Uh we we were sort of ahead of the heat and and uh and then um everything's going going real real smooth knock on wood I suppose, but it's going so far so far terrific. Well, what has the audiences been like? So, you know, when whenever you get um whenever you get outside of your home market and you're you're sort of uh, out of your comfort zone, um you never really know. You can't really set your watch to to what a show is going to be like, and and so sometimes you'll you'll go in with expectations, um, and 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 you'll you'll be totally surprised. Uh, we just played a show last night in Republic, Washington, and it was our first time in Republic, and and we were blown away at how much uh, enthusiasm they have for live music, and how many people had checked us out before they came out to the show. Um, it's a, a a terrific venue, and it was one of those one of those stops. We I, I had no idea what what was going to happen or, or going into it, and it turned out to be a really awesome night. Mhm. Well, are 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 you finding that most people have some uh, recognition of your music, or are most people doing like they did in Republic and kind of finding you out beforehand, or how how are I they getting to know you? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a, a little bit of both. Um, we when we played in Brooklyn, uh, we were over in New York there, and uh, there were definitely a couple of people that that came up and chatted with us and said, "Oh, we've got family in Seattle," and they told us. Uh, you know, word of mouth wise, sort of come come check you guys out because you're awesome, and and then that was really neat. But also, I think people that go to uh, venues regularly and look at the calendar, I think, are are really good about doing a bit of homework and and saying, hey, I, I 
I uh, I checked out the band that's coming up, uh, you know, and and I really liked it. So here I am. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, in Seattle, everybody knows who you are. You guys are all over the place here. Um, people are very familiar with you. I play the Seattle song all the time. And so I was hoping that that would translate as, as you went east and that people were going to, you know, appreciate great music, which is, you know, what we always hope, that, that it translates across state lines. And I'm glad that you're finding that out. How are you and Jim holding up being together so much? Oh, we're doing we're doing great. Yesterday was Jim's birthday, and uh, um, so we're, we're just just touring along. But both of us are we're really built for um, for touring, and 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 really our brains are and, and we're really geared for the road. Um, we we really love it out here. So so for us, it's uh you know the hard part. The hard part is all the scheduling and planning before you get in the van. But but once we're out, um, it's just just uh, driving and playing guitar, and, and and it's you know it doesn't get doesn't get much easier than that. Well, that's really what every musician really lives for, because now you guys are just yeah. playing your music. Yeah, exactly. It's like we get we get an opportunity to to, to really pursue and do what we love, and um, you know, I couldn't I couldn't imagine uh, being in an office in uh, uh, back in Seattle. Uh, so much so much road out there. <laughs> now, so are are you playing somewhere tonight or tomorrow or where's yeah, your next so, stop? So, Tonight, so we're just outside of Missoula right now, and we're headed toward Butte, Butte Montana. We're going to play at Headframe Spirits, a, a distillery today, um, tonight, and then uh, and then we're going to be in Montana for a little bit. And we start start heading back um, and wrap wrap everything up, uh, sort of in the Western Washington area, um, like the twenty twenty eighth of of July. Of July, okay. And then you're going to so be in the, Spokane, right? Yep, exactly. On Thursday, we're going to play Zola in Spokane. Okay, Thursday, Zola in Spokane. Well, that's not very far. That's just, uh, no, just a couple just days from now. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. So you'll be Zola in Spokane on Thursday, and then you wrap up. Where, where will you be July 28th? What's your last stop? So our very Where's last stop at? is the Mason Mason County Fair in uh, in Shelton, Washington. Okay. So we do, we do a few days in Montana Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and then and, uh, yeah, it's good in the Shelton area. We're gonna go ahead. No, no. I, I was gonna say we're we're headed that way that Saturday, the twenty seventh. We're gonna play at a wedding. We have a good friend that's getting married. They wanted us to to come and 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 play their wedding. So we're gonna do that. And then the very next day, the county fair, and then and then a couple of days couple of days off to uh, to rest up. Yeah, well, I would imagine your family's probably looking forward to seeing you after being on on this uh, on this road trip, and then yeah, just probably just just a couple days to um, to rest up, and then I'm sure you'll be hitting it again in the Seattle area. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, it's really good. Uh, the the one thing that is difficult from the road is you know we, we're working on our next album and we've got a significant amount of it all done, but it's just once. Once we get back to be able to have that that time and focus and energy to uh, to really get get working working towards that, it's hard to hard to manage that stuff from the road. Mm-hmm. Have Have you been writing while you're on the yeah, road? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we actually uh, we debuted a a newer song that we just just finished. We finished it on the road last week and we played it for the first time last night. We'll probably play it again today. So that's been really cool. And we've got we've got another couple that are just about just about to be. Start start making their way into the live performance as well. Great, and then yeah, when so, uh, when you um, get back, then you guys can kind of uh, work out 
call all the other little details, I guess, so to speak, you know, of being off the road, maybe concentrate more on then, like you said, putting that next album together. I'm really looking forward exactly. to the next album. I think I've played my, my, my first album of years. I'm almost worn it all out. Oh, great, great. Yeah, the next one's going to be, we're really excited about it. It's going to be, uh, you know, 10, 10 songs, full length. Um, and uh, the way I, I previewed some of the, we previewed some of the stuff the other night when we were, we were um, just sort of had a little downtime, and and it's really really coming together the way the way that we want it to. So it's pretty pretty exciting. Great. Well, has there been any stop that that you've been surprised or had an experience that that, that you can share that you didn't see coming, or that was um, you know you you maybe you weren't familiar with with that area, but but it made an impression on you. Uh, de- definitely last night in Republic. Um, I think you know uh, we had a terrific show in Brooklyn um, when we were when we were on the East Coast. Um, lots of people came out. Uh, there was a great blog that that made us. The, it was the acoustic concert of the week, and and uh, and that that was really a pleasant surprise. Um, there were a lot of people at the show that that uh, that were really supportive, and uh, and we played really well, and it sounded great. And it was kind of one of those one of those perfect scenarios where it just had a just had a great great tour day. Great. That's that, that's that's awesome. Makes makes for great memories on top of everything else. Exactly. 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 All right. Well, I'm going to let you guys go so you can keep driving. People can go to sciencesiattle.com and keep up with where you're going to be next. I'm going to play some of your music, and I will try to see you Thursday night in Spokane at Zola. And right. um, I'm sure I'll see you around. I I I, I usually see you guys pretty much frequently anyway so but yeah. as you know i'm a huge supporter i play your music all the time i i i, I peddle your cds to all my friends and then they become um little internet stalkers to you guys as well so all, all your little stalkers probably started from me <laughs> yeah thank you so much for the support Lori. i did want to mention one other thing if, if there's quick time yeah. and that's uh we're yeah. going to be playing in the main stage at, at hempfest in seattle on the 17th of august Ooh, and uh, we're, and we're going to do that show with a full band. It'll be our, our, our uh, surprise debut of uh, a four-piece science. So that that's def- definitely going to be a rocking show. Nice. So on the 17th at Hempfest, you guys are going to be on yep. the main stage, and you're yep, going to have two, at two in the afternoon. Piece. At two? Yep. Yep. Two in the afternoon. Oh, that's that's big. We definitely want to get that out to everybody as well because um, yeah, it's, it's is really a, uh, is a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna gonna be a great show, and we've already done a couple. Uh, we've gotten together and just done some rehearsal with the full band, and uh, it's it's definitely uh, we're really really pretty charged up about about the show. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I will try to be at that one as well. So. Um, 17th Hemp Fest in Seattle. People come from all over the world to go to Hemp Fest. There's some amazing music. Two o'clock on the main stage. Science will be on there, and then 17th at Zola in Spokane. And then you can find out more information where they're coming near you at ScienceSeattle.com. Right? Exactly. All right. Well, good luck well, thank, and thank you. Keep, keep having fun. And really, be careful on the road because it's it's dangerous out there. Yeah, no, no problem at all. Thank you so much. And uh, on behalf of Jim and Mortimer and myself, uh, we, we really appreciate everything, everything you do, and giving us a chance to to be on and share our music. And, and thank, thank you for all your support. Oh, no problem. And happy birthday to Jim. 
Okay, happy birthday, Jim. <laughs> he says thank you. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk soon, and hopefully we'll see you Thursday in Spokane. Sounds good. All right, you guys take it easy. You too. Bye bye. All right. All right, that was literally Justin and Jim on the road in Montana, and they are science, and they are just a great band from Seattle. I'm going to play one of their songs that I, I play pretty frequently, this the Seattle song from them, and you can go to scienceseattle.com, find out more information. Again, go to paulspear.com and hear his brand-new album, Axe Inferno. Um, science, they were on the PBS Road Trip Nation. They were a featured band on PBS. And they've had amazing success in the Seattle area, and this is their first nationwide tour. And so catching up, and they're still talking, and their dog's still alive, and, you know, they're they're still great friends and, and making music. So that's, that is really great, great, great to hear because we all know we've been on road trips before. We know how those can turn out. Um, by, the, by the time you get back, you're usually not talking. But they are talking, and then great for them. So I'm going to leave you with the Seattle song by Science. Check them out at scienceseattle.com. And, again, thank you to Emmy Award winner, Grammy nominee, and just a genius musician, Paul Spear. And be sure to support great music, paulspear.com. This is the Seattle song.
know. 